Salutations, everyone, and welcome to another episode of How You Feeling, a podcast dedicated to exploring the concepts of emotional intelligence in a practical and useful way. As always, I am your host, Dr. C, ready to rock and roll with you today. Uh, and as always, I'm joined by our favorite co-host, Dr. Jeff Haverlin. Jeff, how you feeling? Oh, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. <laughs> so, you know, I, I can't complain too much. A little, a little irritated, but, you know, that's all right. Well, that, that, going right. There you go. It, it keeps you alive, right? Yep. Well, before we get going on today's episode, we want to remind you guys that you can find this podcast on both Spotify and the Anchor FM app. Uh, we'll certainly put the links to that in the show notes, but we just wanted to remind you that we'd love for you to consider subscribing to our podcast. And also, if you get the chance, we'd love a rating. Uh, I know that the podcast platforms allow for you to give us a rating, and so we'd really appreciate a, a five-star rating and some comments if you've got them. Uh, and then also, too, um, moving forward, remember that you can reach out to us on the podcast through our email address, which is howyoufeelingpodcast at gmail.com, how, the letter U, feeling, podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and at the end of the episode, be listening for our weekly prompt to uh, get some feedback from you. So today's episode, we're going to look at the concept of problem solving. Uh, hey, Jeff, you ever had a problem before? <laughs> yeah, uh, I definitely have my problems every single day. So yeah, I, I deal with them a lot, especially Our... being at home amidst everyone else underfoot. You know, it's it's been interesting. How about you? I'm How sure. are you on your problems? Hey, you know what? Uh, yeah, I have encountered a handful in the last few days here as, as my wife and I adjust to uh, what this new normal looks like, but I'm hoping that our talk today will not only help me, but uh, help our listeners work through some of the problems they might be experiencing. You bet. So tell me, how do you typically react when you encounter a problem, Jeff? You know, I, I this is interesting because I, I think I react in really one of two ways, and it depends on who I am um, interacting with. And so if I run into problems, Work. Um, I tend to think about them and really process through what could happen. And then I find when I run into problems at home, like with, you know, server, my uh, uh, son, I tend to just fly off the handle and make things like really, really worse. So um, it, it all depends on the context, uh, which is very interesting. But, you know, so for me, I'm mixed. What about you? Yeah, I would have to agree. I think um, context has a lot to do with it. And I think the other thing, too, is uh, I always find that proximity to decision making time can impact my my problem solving, because, uh, you know, the, the longer that one has to make that decision, I think the more information you can try to search for. But if that answer is needed more immediately, uh, then that becomes a little more challenging. In, in having to work through that. And so uh, I would agree with you. I think context is certainly one of those variables that you have to account for. Uh, but I'd like to think that overall, I try to make sure to gather information uh, before I make any decisions because you would hate to um, stake out in a direction without having at least a bulk of the information present. Right. And I agree with that. And I'm, I'm sure you have done that. And you know, I can say I've done that as well, where you just stomp off in one direction and, you know, isn't necessarily the direction you should have gone. Exactly. 
All right. So how about in, in the vein of, of problem solving, think about some problems you've had just recently. Um, and, and, and maybe you can share one or two steps that you took that maybe were more productive in helping you to figure out that problem. And then maybe one or two steps in, in another situation or in the same situation that maybe were not so productive in, in helping that problem to be solved. Okay. So um, I think partially, I, let me, I'm going to start with the not so productive ways. And sure. um, I think when it comes to uh, sometimes when you get into that non-productive vein, you, you are expecting something at least and for me i'm expecting that something should have gone a certain way or should be going a certain way and so i'm almost aggravated at it and i'm kind of uh i kind of just react too quick to it and i i'm almost i would almost be considered like judgmental isn't the right word but i'm just so quick to making a judgment based on things that that you know when i'm really at a point where i'm not problem solving well that you just kind of jump in like, you know, this is what I expected and this isn't happening. And, you know, this is how it's going to get fixed. Well, that can be good in some situations, but it can be very negative in others, especially if it's a problem that involves multiple people. And all of a sudden you're alienating them because you're making them feel like they, um, you know, whether they're they've disappointed you or haven't lived up to your potential or frankly that you're just being a jerk you know and coming off the way you are and then all of a sudden you can't solve a problem by yourself and you need those other people but you've already kind of cut them off and so for me what I, I do two things that really help me with problem solving um, first uh, you know I was talking to you before we started about calling a certain internet provider and and it took me, we, we had been on the phone for a while and it took me, you know, I finally had to think that, you know, the person on the other end had nothing to do with what I was mad about and how I wanted my problem solved. And she was that she could. And so sometimes I need to step back and just say, okay, this person, um, you know, this isn't about them. It's not about, you know, what they did to me it's just they tend to be that first line in in what i'm trying to get fixed and so by you know being hasty or jumping to conclusions or being even rude at times it's really not serving any purpose that would that would be any good whatsoever and so you know i have to to look at it from that vantage point but i also then have to step back and ask myself, okay, you know, aside from that, how am I coming off right now? Um, and is my attitude helping? And, you know, if you've ever snapped at somebody and you, you sit there and you take what they snap back at you, you can realize pretty quick that you having an attitude does not make a problem solve itself any faster. It actually can really slow it down. And so stepping back and just realizing that you know, not everybody is out to be your problem. Sometimes they are the ones that just have to deal with it. Um, sure. So, yeah, I, it's funny, though, you, with problem solving, in retrospect, you can be a genius. Um, in, in the moment, sometimes you're just not at all. Um, so, so how about you? What about some unproductive ways? Sure. Well, and I was going to say, yeah, if you give somebody an infinite amount of time, they will always make the right decision. Uh, but yes, we don't always have that. Uh, I think the biggest 
unproductive thing that that hampers my ability to solve a problem would be personal bias um how i feel or what i think about a certain person sort of going into that problem solving mode because i think a lot of times that that tends to be a modifier on either a too positive a reaction or too negative a reaction Uh, and i know i've had to check myself at the door um in certain situations to make sure that that I, I'm fighting through whatever preconceived notion or bias that I have. And I think productively, what, what that unproductive way has sort of opened my eyes to is this idea of addressing the behavior, not the person, or the issue, not the person. Yeah. And I think you were sort of speaking to that with your cable uh, issue earlier today was too often we do in fact shoot the messenger and and largely the messenger is just the go-between and so i've had to really focus and i think i've i've tried really hard lately to take each issue as it comes and and look at the issue itself uh, and not the person who's bringing the issue because even the boy who cried wolf eventually actually saw a wolf um and you see how that worked out for the townspeople so and then the other productive a thing that I try to do uh, when I'm solving a problem is to make sure that I'm addressing the root problem. I think it's really easy to get caught up in sort of tangential or or side issues when you're having a problem, especially if it's interpersonal. Uh, And I have tried really hard to remind myself that before any discussion gets going, as I start collecting information, that I, I try really hard to make sure I get to the root of the issue so that we're actually trying to solve the actual problem and not an auxiliary problem. Right. And that is a great approach. So, yeah, it, it certainly has, has served me well in the times that I've needed it. Um, now, I've heard you say something to kids before that I definitely do or other people that, you know, you've made this comment that you make the best decision with the information you have at the time. And I, I sure. think that I, that there's a lot of truth to that. And, you know, tell me, tell me what you're thinking when you say something like that. Sure. Sure. Well, and and I think, you know, I've done a fair amount of reading on sort of the self and and, and our approaches to issues. And I think one of the things that, that has always stuck with me I've explored emotional intelligence is this idea that regret is like one of the biggest attention wasters and the biggest resource sappers that exist because we spend so much time worrying about things that we have done that we wish we would have done differently. And I've, I've read some in the, in the psychology literature that basically says, if I were to be able to rewind time and put you in that exact circumstance with all of the same variables in place, you would make the same decision again. And so to go, boy, I wish I would have known I would have done it differently. No, no, you wouldn't have. And so I I, I say that not to be a Debbie Downer, but actually to be hopefully sort of inspiring and let people know that, that it's okay because all we can do is, is act on, on the information we have in the moment. And that's not always complete, but you have to be able to forgive yourself when those situations happen, because if I were to allow you to hit stop and rewind, all of those variables would be exactly the same and your foreknowledge, your foreknowledge wouldn't exist. And so I would say not only to, to, to you, but to our listeners, you know, try, try as you, as you go down the journey of uh, emotional intelligence more, 
to try to limit the amount of regret that exists because that can be very damaging to relationship building, knowing that largely once something is done, we can't go back and fix it. We can only grow from it and not make the mistake again in the future. You bet. So talk to me a little bit. I'm wondering, because I think two sides to the same coin that we've explored in this emotional intelligence discussion is sort of the, the emotions that we feel and, and the thoughts that either come from those emotions or that feel those emotions. And so when we talk about problem solving, what are some ways that either your thoughts or your emotions could get in the way of solving a problem? So I have been on both sides of this where I'm that person who thinks way too long and then the problem gets worse and I'm the person who's jumped all over it and made the problem worse. And so um, our thoughts, our emotions, all of that really, they really can be kind of catastrophic when it comes to problem solving. And, and I think that's, that's just something that's taken me a long time to learn. Um, and so, you know, when you're, when you're angry, it is really hard to solve a problem when you feel like you've been wronged. Um, when you are in maybe a relationship where you want to believe that the relationship is giving you the best possible outcome, it can be very hard for you then to assume that the other person in that relationship, um, is doing something to take away. So you're giving them the benefit of the doubt or you're up for what you're not getting from them. And therefore, you know, you are letting that feeling, that emotion that you have really kind of dig its heels in and prevent good problem solving. And so I, I think my biggest one, though, is is truly my my outward expression at the moment, like, especially if I'm expecting that something should be going the right way, it's almost like it's a personal affront to me and my thinking. And so then I can come off just angry. And we know that that whole idea of anger being a secondary emotion, it, you know, it's not that situation. It's because I feel like, you know, my kid isn't taking it as seriously as I know he should take it because I've already been through this part of life before. And so now any problem solving that we're going to try to, to get through or to work out, it isn't going to happen because I'm going to be too mad to even deal with the problem at hand. Um, and then I'm going to alienate him on the other side of it because he doesn't want to be yelled at. So um, I, that whole thoughts and emotions, feelings, that it, it really can create some havoc. Sure it can. Sure it can. You know, I think about when I, when I think about emotions and thoughts sort of the, and, and their impacts on, on my decision making, you know, I think some of the things that I look to, you know, w one of the ways that thoughts gets in the way of of my problem solving would be when when I'm locked into sort of problem focused thinking and sort of focusing on all the things that I can't do or all the information I don't have in a situation rather than taking a deep breath and figuring out what I do have. And I know that that's gotten in the way a few times uh, in the past when, when a decision needed to be made and I just was so stuck on what I didn't have and, and what I couldn't think of versus what was at my disposal. And so I try really, really hard to recall that those times so that um, I can, I can tune into more of that solution focused thinking and that growth oriented thinking to, to try to move through that. 
And from the emotion side, I, you know, I, I think, you know, we've talked before about this idea of emotional regulation and being able to match our emotional response to the situation we have in front of us. And I think typically when we think of problems, I think they're thought of in that negative space, but there are good problems to have, right? Like you could be offered two jobs at two places that you really want to work at both places. And so now what? So I think that's a good problem. But yeah. I think, you know, the trick uh, to me and, and the way that emotions sort of get in the way is improperly or, or, or not giving attention to the emotional regulating side, like that you either are dialed way, way up too much or, or you're not dialed up enough to be able to, to be present in that moment. And so I always think back to me being a thermostat or, or, or a thermometer and, and, and am I reacting to my environment or am I actively trying to match my emotional response to the situation at hand? And so I try to always remember that so that my emotions don't impact the problem solving. Yeah, that, and that, that makes really good sense. And, you know, I, I think in this, you know, and we had talked about this a little bit before, but especially now in what we're dealing with of, you know, being away from work, being away from people. And, you know, you talk about that good problem that you can have. And let's face it, we talk constantly as a society about how great it would be to retire, um, to be able to do whatever we wanted with our time. We talk about how we would want, all we really want is to have more time with our family. And now we're in a situation where we've all kind of gotten retired um, and we have all the time in the world with our families and those people around us in our immediate vicinity. And so we have this really good problem that we are finally getting that extra time we wanted with people. And yet it's become almost this maddening idea that we have to be stuck in a house with these people the entire time or all of a sudden we're mad because we can't see the people we'd really like to be stuck in the house with. And so I like your idea of that being a good problem and a bad problem, but you know, it, it because it just makes so much logical sense, especially now when, when we are faced with both sides of this coin of having more time with certain people and how it's not always looked at as a good thing when in fact it really could be a good thing if we just had the right um, state of mind to to make it a good thing. Yeah, indeed, indeed. Well, before we we move into sort of our so what sector, I've got a question that just popped into my head. Talk to me a little bit, um, and you can put on any of your hats that you wear on uh, a day to day basis. But talk to me about what you do when you encounter someone who maybe has a different problem solving approach than you do. <laughs> That's a really good question, because if if you want to start a conflict, it it can often arise when you want to solve a problem, but you you're a doer and you meet a thinker and you've got to figure out how to make that work. And so for me, I really I put a lot of stock in personal relationships and knowing where people come from. Um, and I do that on purpose because I know that conversations, people are going to behave in a very particular way. And that if I go in there with an expectation that they will behave any differently than that, that I'm already setting myself up for 
kind of, and not necessarily a failure, but I'm setting myself up for uh, a problem. And so working with people who solve problems differently, um, deal with information differently, you have to realize, and for me, I really make it a point to realize that this is how they need to process it. And it's not, you know, they don't have to change because of how I process it. And so then you have to start thinking about, okay, what can I offer to this? What can they offer to this? It's really kind of a, a give and take, but this is hard when you want it done and they want to think about it or when you want to think about it and they want it done. So I think selectively you learn sometimes that if I have a certain problem, a type of problem, I am going to go to a certain person. Um, and problem, I'm not going to that person because I don't need it thrown out there as quickly or as bluntly as I know they're going to do it. And so um, I, I think it's really a lot about knowing who they are and and having a little past history with them. Now, what happens when you meet somebody that you don't know and you're stuck solving a problem together or or trying to process through something together? Well, then it, it really falls on each of us, I think, as individuals to kind of just get a feel for that person and, and ask that person directly, you know, what do they need? What do they need from you? And to be honest about what you need from them. And I think that that's how you can you can really make sense out of situations where where you don't necessarily have the same mindset or problem solving agenda as the person you're with. Sure. I don't even know if that answered your question. No, I, but I, I, I think it answered it just fine. And I think that's always tricky because I, I love your your thought about sort of knowing your audience and knowing sort of the style of problem. But the thought that popped into my head while you were answering that was, well, what if you're like on a work committee or a, or a cross-functional team where you can't choose the group members, but you're still forced to sort of encounter and deal with problems as they're presented to you? And, and in thinking of that, you know, I think one of the things that I've learned, and, and I know that I preach this to, to my students, and I'm sure I've said it to friends and family before too, but communication is so important in problem solving. And I think, are there problems that pop up very unexpectedly? Sure, there are. And, and, and those need to be dealt with sort of in real time. But I've always found that if you can give your group as much time as you can to to start working on a problem then a lot of times that allows the thinkers the time to think and the doers to start brainstorming lists so that when we do meet up both sides have had their processing time now again i understand that that's that doesn't always happen and especially in the wake of our current um, health crisis you know many organizations and schools and businesses have been forced to make very quick decisions but i think when the time allows, the more time you can give your team the time to focus on the problem that's coming up, then the, the, the more chance that each of those different styles can sort of attack the problem in their own way. Um, so just just my thought on it. No, and that is a really good thought. And but and you've said it, though, you know, you you don't always get that time to process, but it does go back to then let's be honest and let's communicate that, you know, we have 20 minutes to figure this out before I we have to act on it. So in that time, what are we going to do? And I, I swear if people would just talk more and talk more honestly and not rudely, not like, 
you know, condescending, but if they were just really honest about their needs in that moment, I, I think we'd get so much further because if you've ever been with somebody who has an agenda, but they haven't told you their agenda, um, it can make working with that person incredibly difficult because sure. you spend most of the time trying to figure out what's up with them and, and what they're trying to get done. When, if they just told you, you could have been working on the issue at hand. Sure. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, no, that, that, that pretty much says it. I, um, it's tough. And like I said, it really does all boil down to communication. And even if you don't know the person you're working with, the more clear and, and less ambiguous you can be, hopefully the quicker you can get to the problem. Absolutely. So let's boil all this down here, Jeff. What do you think? What What is your big so what as it relates to problem solving? If you had to boil it all down into a uh, a thought or two. <laughs> that is a big question. Um, so for me, I think problem solving, I go back to that statement that, you know, you, you make about how um, you make the best decision at the time and you do. And I think with problem solving comes some responsibility as well and some ownership of it, that if you choose to address something in a specific way, way doesn't turn out for, you know, in a way that it needed to, or if somebody um, your decision creates harm or something for someone else. And when I say harm, I'm not, you know, it doesn't have to be like earth shattering kind of harm, but if it, if it does somebody wrong, then I think we have a responsibility as owning that problem or owning how we solved it to make amends and to, you know, just figure out a way that, you know, so we did it this way and it didn't work out the way I wanted it. I'm going to take some ownership. And with that ownership, you earn some, you know, some uh, collateral, that collateral that people are like, okay, so I didn't like the direction. I didn't like where it went, but I like the fact that they saw that there was a problem in the end of it that did get solved correctly and they tried to make amends with it. And I think at the end of the day, you can't do, I mean, you can make bad decisions. You can go in bad directions, but oftentimes it's that, you know, that Monday morning quarterback, that, that moment where you get to sit back and reflect and do you either own it or do you just push it further down? Um, and I think when it comes to problem solving, again, if we were honest with people and if we are willing to be responsible for our decisions and our actions, I think we, we gain a lot of ground and where people allow us to make dumb moves and mistakes and are more forgiving about it because they know we're working to do something. And sure. so that's, that would be my takeaway. So what about you? Sure. Uh, well, and, and I think I, I said it already, but I think for me, the big, big takeaway uh, or, or the combo big takeaway would be I try really hard to attack and, 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 and figure out the root of the problem. Uh, because as you know, when emotions get involved, root problems can be, can be immediately buried by auxiliary problems. And I think the, the second part of that is once the root problem is, is figured out, to really address the problem and not the person involved in the problem. And, yeah. and in doing so, a lot of times that's helped me remove my bias and remove my preconceived notions to really work for the best solution for the situation and not the best solution for one or the other person involved. Yeah, I agree. I agree. hundred percent. 
All right. So how about strategy wise? What's one thing that you do when, when you're faced with a problem that sort of helps you attack that uh, in, in, a, in a more functional way? So for me, my initial step any longer has to be, and it's becoming more um, uh, automatic is just hearing the problem, stepping back and really taking on what I need to do and then reacting. That whole idea of counting to 10 or taking a deep breath is goofy as that sounds when you're upset or wanting to get something done. It really does help refocus you at that moment to not just blast off with whatever feeling, emotion, thought is sitting right there. It becomes that moment for you to just ground yourself and say, okay, all this aside, here's what I have to focus on. Yeah. I well, and I was going to say, you, you, you stole my idea. I was going to say there's as, as silly as it sounds and as often as it's sort of repeated, there is really nothing better in, in a, in a case of stress than just taking that deep breath. And I think, Sometimes that can be internalized literally like a, a, a very deep breath. But I think, you know, and, I, and I'm thinking back to like when I first started like interviewing for jobs. And I remember some advice I got from a mentor of mine. And they said, before you answer each interview question, take a two to three second pause internally to, to reflect on the question that's being asked of you. And so I would agree with you that especially in the case of a problem, taking that initial moment to try to take that situation in allows you to figure out what you can do about it versus what you can't do about it. I think when, yeah. when we, when we react immediately, I think we're more prone into going into that problem focused thinking. But if we actually just give ourselves a few seconds of collection time, it, it'll allow us to focus on, what strengths and what tools we have to at least start attacking the problem versus feeling sort of adrift without oars in a boat or something like that. So, yep. Yeah. Well, good. Well, Hey, I think uh, we we've gotten to that point in the show here where we can now reach out to our listeners to, to maybe hear from them. Uh, I first want to thank, um, we did get a handful of responses uh, to, to our, our last episode's response. Uh, and all had some really good uh, thoughts on resilience. And so thank you for that. Uh, and, and so now we want to uh, pose a new prompt to you in, in the vein of problem solving. Uh, and I think certainly taking into account our current uh, health crisis and sort of this social distancing and sort of trying to make sense of a digital world now where many of us are analog people, you know, we'd really love to hear what are some of the, what are some of the steps or what are some of the strategies that you guys use to make sense of of these issues. Um, and it can be, when you respond to us, it can be related to this current health scare. It can just be related to sort of general problem solving, uh, but but make it real for you so that we can, can give you feedback on it. Um, anything you want to add to that, Jeff? No, I, I, I think there's a lot, this topic and even resilience that we did prior to this, you, right now there is a lot a lot of situations out there that really can help you reflect on this. Um, and I think it would be, it's very easy to just grab something, you know, that you're dealing with every single day. And, you know, it's, you know, when you're thinking about stuff like, you know, how are you going to create routines and take care of yourself and 
help others and you know how do you fight boredom and how do you still love the people you love after you've been you know locked up with them forever um it it is just there's so much out there that gives you grounds for considering that that whole idea of you know how do you go about problem solving in our current in our current world sure good well hey jeff if people want to hear more from you how can they find you on twitter um, that's funny because my brain just seriously went blank on that. Um, I'm oh, geez. Okay. no, it's okay. I'm at Haverlin J on Twitter. How about you? Awesome. And you guys can find me in the Twitter world at KP Katani. Um, and we want to remind you again, as you respond to our, our, our prompt that you can reach out to how you feeling podcast at gmail.com. How the letter you feeling podcast at gmail.com we can't wait to hear what your thoughts are uh we want to thank you again for tuning in uh to this fabulous podcast uh we encourage you to uh share it with your friends and family if they have not had a chance to listen to these episodes uh and and please please be safe take care of your loved ones uh, and thanks for listening so for uh dr jeff haverland and i we want to thank you again and we'll see you next time on how you feeling